you have your Bible tonight, turn it to Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bible tonight, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read them for us right now. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. That means they were engaged. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And here's what we're gonna zero in on tonight. It says, the angel said to them, fear not. What did the angel say to them? Fear not. Exactly. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That text right there really is a nutshell of the Christmas story. And that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks as a church. But if you've missed the last couple weeks, don't worry. We'll catch you right back up. The message of Christmas, the story of Christmas, is actually a super simple one. Somebody say, it's real simple. simple. So far, what we have seen in the Christmas story, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about why this news that's on the screen right here. We talked about why that's good news. And again, I'll bring you up to speed. The reason that the Christmas story is good news is not because, oh, we get presents at Christmas. It's not, oh, my family comes over to my house and they stay longer than I want them to and they start annoying me, right? Not my family, but maybe yours, right? They say right back at you, Braden. Anyway, Right? It's not, it's not, oh, we'll have a big turkey dinner and we'll have a little bit of time off work and school. Those are all good things. But that's not why the Christmas story is a story of good news. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why it is. The Christmas story, the gospel story is good news because it tells us, number one, that God created you. You were created by God and for God. How many of you know that tonight? God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including you and I. You know what that means? That means your life is not an accident. It means that you are not a waste of space or just the result of some series of chance or happenstance. God created you in his image and he actually loves you very much. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. God actually loves you. Thank you. Thank you. God loves you and God created you to be in a relationship with him. That's the context and center of the life that God created us to live so that everything that happens to us, in us, around us, through us is all supposed to happen from that place of closeness to God and and walking in a relationship with God. And if you think, okay, relationship with God, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, it's not just some weird metaphor or some churchy lingo or some washed up like Ned Flanders tidy whities kind of thing, right? We're allowed to take tidy whities in church, just saying. 
It's not that. This relationship that God created you to be in, this relationship with him, this is a real thing. It's as real and more real than any human relationship that you might have. And it's life-changing and it's life-giving and it's identity-forming. It's hugely important as I get red in the face telling you how important it is. We were created to be in a relationship with God and be close to God and be connected to God. But the Bible says that we have all sinned. Somebody say sin now. Sin is rebellion against God. It's falling short of his standard because God is perfect. God is holy. God is blameless. And he has a standard, right? Just like uh, oil and water don't go together. Well, God, who's perfect, and imperfection, they don't go together. Where sin is, God doesn't go. And where God is, sin cannot be. So we have all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of his standard. So welcome to the club. The line forms right here behind this guy. We've all sinned. We are not a holier than thou church, by the way. I was talking to someone this week and they, some, the comment came up about something about being the, from the wrong side of the tracks. And I said, you know what? We're kind of all from the wrong side of the tracks as far as it pertains to God because none of us measure up. We all fall short. How many of us fall short tonight? All of us. Now, the Bible furthermore says the wages of sin is death. So not only because of our sin are we separated from that relationship with God that we were created to have, where we're literally supposed to draw our life and our identity from, that's tragic enough. But the wages of sin, the punishment for sin, the payment that must be made for sin is death. We sin and we pay for it with our life. Physical, spiritual death. I know you came to church tonight to hear a nice, encouraging, uplifting thing. You need to know punishment, wrath, condemnation, and hell are all real things tonight. And I don't want any of you to have any clue what those are at the end of your life. Just saying. But in and of ourselves, this is the track we are all on. We all sin. We all do the crime. And therefore, we're all supposed to do the time. That's justice. We deserve that. You might be a very nice person tonight, right? You look nice, but that's the truth of the scriptures. All have sinned and fallen short, and the wages of sin is death. Now, if we ended there, it'd be a bad story, wouldn't it? However, the Bible says that God so loved the world. Guess who that's talking about? That's talking about you and me. God so loved us and everyone that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved you so much and loves you so much that he gave his only son. Guess what his name is? Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the coming of Jesus. God literally stepped off his throne. God literally descended into our dumpster fire of a mess on the earth. And a lot of other religions will teach, hey, if you just try hard enough, work hard enough, be religious enough, you can get to God or you can attain the level of God or, or rise up to his level. No, that's not how it works at all. In fact, what we believe as Christians is we can't do anything to bridge the gap and get to God so God comes to us. That's Christmas. And God came to us. We celebrate Christmas so that, right, he came to us so that we would believe in him and have everlasting life and not everlasting death like we deserve. Now, Jesus, we can't stop at the Christmas story with Jesus. There he was born in the manger, amen, let's move on, see you next year, right? No, Jesus did more than just be born. Jesus actually lived a perfect, sinless life. How many of us have lived that perfect, sinless life? That'd be zero hands going up, none of us. But Jesus did, and then he died on a cross. 
Not as a publicity stunt, not so he could become famous, not just for some random trick or to go viral. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. The Bible says, remember, the wages of sin is death. Something must die for sin. That is justice that must be served. So God looks at us and says, yep, even though you, Braden, deserve to die, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to take your punishment so you don't have to die. That is love. That is grace. I don't deserve that. But I'm going to tell you about my Jesus tonight. That's what he did for me. He died for me, and he died for you. Jesus died and was buried. But on the third day, he rose from the grave. You say, isn't that the Easter story? No, it's pretty much a part of the Christmas story too, just saying. Jesus rose from the grave. He had no sin of his own and the grave could not hold him, could not contain him. He busted up on out of there and he defeated our greatest enemy, which is sin and death. Jesus has the final word. Jesus is greater. Jesus wins. If you're a Christian tonight, please celebrate at that tonight. Now, The Bible says that Jesus rose from the grave and then he ascended into heaven. Yup, we believe all these things, by the way. If you think we're nuts, you might be right, but not for that reason, okay? Jesus right now is alive. He's ruling and reigning. He's sitting on a throne. And what he is doing is he is inviting each one of us to put our faith and our trust in him. He's inviting each one of us to surrender our lives to him and repent of our sin. That means to turn away. That means to say, look, I was going this way, living my life this way, but Jesus, I'm laying that aside and I want to run after you now. And the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Your sin might be great in your life, but Jesus has grace for you that is greater than all of your sin. And all you need to do is put your faith in him and trust in him. It's not about doing enough good things or doing more good than bad or being religious enough or really you know, showing up a lot for church. None of those things save you. None of those things make you right with God. It's about putting your faith and your trust in him. It's a free gift that he offers you. You don't have to pay one cent to have Jesus. And the Bible says that when we do that, when we surrender to Jesus, when we confess and proclaim him as our Lord and Savior, we are saved. We are forgiven of our sin. Our record of debt, which could be 20 miles long if you're this guy, it's erased and sent off the record. The Bible says that when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive uh, citizenship in heaven. We become children of God, and we receive the promise of eternal life. I don't know what's on your Christmas list this year. That's a pretty stinking good shopping list right there. Jesus is offering this to every single one of us. That's the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. That's the Christmas story. So that's why this is good news. Jesus came to you so that you could be saved and set free and forgiven and come into that relationship with God that you were created to live all along. Somebody say that's good news. Cool. Now, thank you in the back. Last week we talked about how this good news produces great joy in us. And it's simply this. When you know Jesus and you come into all of these things and and he becomes your Lord and your Savior and your center and, and you start living your life in that relationship with him and you start to experience his presence and his power in your life, it changes everything. And even in Jesus, if your circumstances are really bad, you can still have joy. That's way deeper than happiness that's based on temporal circumstances happening to go your way. You can actually be filled with joy that almost logically doesn't even make any sense in this life, but it's super possible in Jesus. That's what this good news does in us. And now all I want to do tonight 
is take like five minutes and finish that little triangle in verse 10. We talked about how it's good news. We talked about how it's great joy. I want to just hammer home tonight the fact that this is for all people. How many people is it for? All people. It's for everybody. Now, I'm not that old in a manner of speaking. Nobody say anything. (laughs) Kick the door wide open for you and allow me to just close it right behind you now. But I have been around long enough to see a few different spaces that people tend to occupy with this Jesus stuff. People tend to sort of fall into one of a few different buckets. And I want to just explore those super quickly tonight. And I want you to be examining your own life. And I want you to be thinking about which one of these might describe you tonight. That'll be fun, a little self-examination on Christmas Eve, right? Now, the first group of people that I have seen, we're talking about this Jesus stuff. It's people who don't think they measure up. I've met a lot of people like that. They define themselves by their failures and their faults and the things that they've messed up in this life. You ever met someone like that? Maybe you are that person, right? That's like the badge you wear. Oh, I'm the person that did X, Y, Z. I'm the person that failed to do X, Y, Z. I'm the person that had this thing done to them or I'm the person that just carries all this baggage around and you almost wear that like a mask on your face and that's how people know you as. And when we excuse me, occupy this kind of space, the mentality it often breeds is this, I'm not good enough for God. You don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder if any of you have ever felt that way tonight. Man, I am not good enough for God. I don't measure up. God would never love me. God would never want me. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus tonight. God has a life for you. He loves you. He, Jesus literally said, I have come so that we may have life abundantly, life to the full. He gives a rip about you, in other words. And he wants to walk with you. And you say, but you don't understand. I'm not good enough. And I say, no, you actually kind of do understand. You're right, you're not good enough. Welcome to church. Encouraging. That's literally the point. You and I are not good enough. We don't measure up to the standard of God. But Jesus is good for us. That's the whole point. You say, well, how could he ever love me with all the things I've done? You need to know tonight, Jesus actually loves you in spite of the things you've done. His love for you is unconditional. It's deep. No matter how badly you've messed up, his love for you is greater and deeper and stronger. And he actually wants to transform you. See, he doesn't see you as you know, the victim or the person that dropped the ball or the person that couldn't get this done or the person that can't do anything right. I'm telling you, he loves you and he wants to take up shop in your life and transform you and light you up and change you and bring you hope and bring you peace and make you his child. If you don't think you measure up, you need to know Jesus is for you tonight. Next group of people that I've seen in my life, it's the opposite. I've met a lot of people who do think they measure up. They say, oh, this God stuff? Yeah, 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 me and Jesus, we're fine. I'm a good enough person. Oh, how many holes would you like me to poke through that theory? First of all, you say you're a good person. By whose standard are you a good person? Oh, you're good by your own standard. Oh, okay, right, that makes sense. That test probably wasn't rigged at all. I'm a good enough person. You're good enough to do what? 
The point is this. Look, nobody is good enough on their own. Nobody measured. The Bible literally says, here's the cool thing about the Bible. It reads us sometimes, and it literally says, no one is good except for God. Isn't that encouraging? You're no good. Don't take that out of context, right? But there it is. Nobody gets close to God on their own. I'm telling you, if you think that you're good enough, I'm telling you, you need to know tonight, you fall short of the bar on your own. You fall short. And if that's where you are tonight, I'm good enough, friend, you need to humble yourself and bring yourself down a peg. And what you need to realize is, oh, I actually do need to be saved. I actually do need Jesus' forgiveness. I actually do need to be made new and washed clean and made his child. Third group of people that I see is this, and I see a lot of these people. It's people, as it pertains to this Jesus stuff, people who just don't really care. Like again, I'm not gonna ask anyone to do a show of hands tonight, but I bet you, maybe you felt that way before. You say, no, I don't know, Jesus, like, I'm doing fine on my own. Religion is not for me. Listen, none of us need religion. That's another story for another night. You say, oh, that's just not really my thing. You say, I only came to church tonight because my grandma wanted me to come and I still wanted a present from her. <laughs> okay, listen to me. Jesus is for you too. He's for you. God has this life for you. Jesus came that you would have abundant life, life to the full. And so if you're going through this life, no matter how well you think you're doing on your own, no matter how happy you, you think that you are, no matter how much joy you think you have, wherever your hope comes from. If you're doing this life without Jesus, I'm telling you, you're missing the point and you're missing out. Because the life that God created you to live, man, if you're going through this life without Jesus, you're not even tasting what it is to truly live yet. And if that sounds insulting to you, I hope you receive that in the exact way that it was intended. I love you, but you need to know there is more. There is better. His name is Jesus. And if you don't think about Jesus in your life, guess what? He thinks about you. If you don't want Jesus, guess what? He wants you. If you don't really care about walking with him, man, he cares for you and he wants to walk with you. So if you don't really care tonight, I just want to speak to you. I want to just try to break through that wall. Yes, this is relevant to you. Yes, this is for you. Even if you don't think it is, Jesus is for you. Last group of people is this. When I'm talking about all this Jesus stuff, it's people who are already believers. So in the room tonight, I would go so far as to say that we have a mix. Some people who do believe in Jesus and some people that aren't quite there yet. Now, if you believe in and belong to Jesus, guess what? This good news is still for you. The gospel's still for you. I always tell people the gospel, the good news about Jesus is not like the training wheels that you use on your bike. And you use them while you're learning how to ride the thing so you don't tip over and scratch your parents' car when you're riding by it. But then when you know how to stay stable, you throw them out and they go to the dump. That's not what the gospel's like. We never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is the reality and the truth that we ought to walk in as Christians. This news of what Jesus has done for us and what he has made possible for us. This ought to be fuel on the fire if you're a believer. Now, if you are a Christian tonight, I'll speak to you. If you're a Christian, but you're struggling in your faith, right? You're struggling in your walk. God seems distant. God seems whatever tonight. And you're just wrestling with that. I've heard that from lots of people over the years. And if that's you, I would encourage you, go right back to the beginning. Go right back to the gospel. Go right back to the good news of great joy. 
right back to the basics. Jesus loves you and he came for you. Start with that. And be honest with God and open with God and he'll help you through that. But if you're a Christian, the gospel, the Christmas story is for you. Now, as I wrap this up, I won't speak for you. I've learned in a marriage that's a dangerous thing to do, to speak for your spouse. So I try to not do that anymore. And I won't speak for you here tonight either. But listen, I don't know what your needs are tonight. Right? I might know some of them that you have. But I don't know, right? Maybe, maybe you need a few more zeros in that bank account on the other side of the decimal point tonight. Maybe you need your health to improve. Maybe you need the economy to turn around. Maybe you need the warm weather to come back. I hate to break it to you. We're like six months from that, so don't hold your breath. Go down south or something, right? You don't need your aches and pains. You know, maybe you need aches and pains to go away, but my point is this tonight. Your deepest need is none of those things. And you might really need those things, but I'm telling you, your deepest need tonight is to be made right with God and start walking in that relationship with God. That will reorient and change and revolutionize your life. In Jesus Christ, man, if you don't know him tonight, I want you to know this. And if you do know him, I want you to testify to this tonight. In Jesus Christ, you will find a love, like the real thing, that you never even thought was possible and your mind can't even wrap around how deep and, and, and amazing it is. God loves you that much. And Jesus Christ, you need to know you will find total and complete forgiveness for your sin. No matter how bad your record is, Jesus is that good for you. In Jesus Christ, you will understand that your life actually has a purpose. You're not a waste of space. And as long as you're still here and breathing, you're here for a reason. God has a reason for you. In Jesus Christ, you will know a joy in your life. Maybe you've been going through this life and you've been miserable. I'm telling you, in Jesus, you can have joy. That comes, that's a package deal. You get Jesus, you get the joy. And this joy goes far deeper than your circumstances. It's not the roller coaster ride like this. In Jesus Christ, you can experience a peace that passes understanding, the Bible says. Maybe your life, you're just at war in your life. In Jesus, you can know peace. In Jesus Christ, you will know a hope. You will know in your life that your things are gonna work out okay for you. You can have certainty on that because of him. All of these things come when we surrender and walk with Jesus. And that is why the news of his coming is good news of great joy for all people. Amen?